Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Hey, it's State of State. We got your Nittany Line update. It's a football discussion with Tom and Justin. So kick back and press play. With former Penn State and NFL defensive back Justin King, I'm Tom Hannafin. This is State of State. This podcast is presented by Bet Online, your number one source for all your betting needs. Get the latest odds, lines, and matchup reports for college football, the NFL, plus baseball, boxing, golf, and more. Bet Online continues to be the fastest and easiest way to place your wagers, including live betting, plus your favorite casino and card games available to play right on your phone. Head to betonline.ag or use your mobile device to join and be sure to use our promo code BELIEVE, that's B L E A V, to receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit state of state is presented by bet online where the game starts also state of state is a proud supporter of blue white outfitters blue white outfitters was created as a retail shop meant to highlight the confidence competitiveness and fearlessness of the elite athletes found throughout the history of penn state university check out the latest lockdown you and lawn boys merchandise today all sales from blue white outfitters directly benefit Penn State student-athletes. Visit www.bluewhiteoutfitters.com today. And if you're looking for the perfect beer for Penn State football season, we've got you covered with the State IPA. Special thanks to our friends at Funk Brewing for creating the perfect tailgate and game day beer for Nittany Lion fans. State IPA will be available at beer distributors, grocery stores, Funk's tap rooms, plus select bars and restaurants beginning tomorrow, Thursday, August 31st. Visit www.funkbrewing.com slash beers slash state dash IPA to learn where and how you can get state IPA. Check out the link in the description of this podcast for more information. Must be 21 years or older to purchase. Please drink responsibly. We finally have a game. Thank you, God. Thank you, <laughs> This Saturday night at 7.30 p.m. Eastern on NBC for the first time at Beaver Stadium, Penn State kicks off the season against West Virginia. Very, very excited about this. Depending on where you look, Penn State is either ranked 7th or 8th in the country. There's about 40,000 polls out there. I don't care. I'm excited, Justin. Uh, I've been dying to get back to college football season. I know you have been too. Uh, just a little bit of housekeeping because, you know, we're, we're always shilling, that sort of stuff. Definitely check out Smack Apparel's Save a Couch Beat WVU shirt. I'm wearing it now for those that are watching on YouTube. It's solid. Um, and for the record, I've looked into trying to find a couch to burn. I've been turned down on that respect for the, the folks that we are seeing uh, they're very nice people, but I hope they understand that, like, you know, if we beat West Virginia, the, the logical thing is to light a couch on fire, from what I understand, Justin. That's what that's I would do. It seems like that's what they do in Morgantown. So I figured they do in Morgantown. <laughs> and then also, I have an advanced uh, selection of the state IPA, which at the time this drops on Wednesday. So tomorrow, Thursday, August 31st, these will be available in grocery stores, beer distributors select bars and restaurants the the description for uh the, the link of where to find all the information of where you can find state ipa is in the description of this podcast comes in four packs a home and away can and the guys at funk brewing are awesome there's a qr code of the show on the side of the can so if you're interested while you're tailgating at beaver stadium in the lots 
you can scan the QR code on your phone. You can pull it up. You can listen to the show as you're drinking the state IPA. So we're, we're all about technology here on State of State, Justin. Absolutely. Got to stay up to date. How are you feeling? The first game of the year. This is, this is exciting. Exciting. First game of the week. First game of the year. Night game. Stripe out. I mean, it's going to look a little bit like a whiteout. So I'm all, I'm, I'm excited to see the guys play. Uh, I mean, especially Drew Allen's first game, seeing what the offense looks like. And it means always interesting entering the season and playing with expectations. Uh, it's one thing I'm always like, just as an athlete coming up, I mean, I was I, I kind of a blessing and a curse to be always like highly touted. So it's, it's different when you have expectations versus being an underdog or trying to fulfill, you know, like there's not real true expectations. When there's expectations, it's always interesting to see how people perform. So I'm excited to see the guys come out and if they play with the confidence that um, we're all expecting. Well, it's like when we had Daryl Clark on the show a few weeks ago, he was talking about for Drew Hours specifically, but for the team as a whole, it's proving people right, not proving people wrong when it comes to this team and what they're capable of in 2023. Uh, you mentioned Drew Hour. Uh, as of the time of this recording, we're recording this late Tuesday afternoon. This will post on Wednesday. Earlier today, when James Franklin spoke to the media, he was asked who the starting quarterback is going to be versus West Virginia. He declined to make any sort of announcement. He said, quote, I'm not making any announcement at this time about quarterback. Uh, he went on to elaborate about how Bo Brabula brings, quote, an element that maybe Drew doesn't have, which we've all been aware of. He's more of a running quarterback. He can sit in the pocket and throw, but he has a little bit more uh, mobile skills, so to speak. Um, Franklin went on to say, quote, sometimes those are hard to evaluate in practice because you don't really see them. He said that Bo reminds him of a bigger Trace McSorley, and then he also went on to say that Jackson Smolik has had a nice camp overall. In regards to decision-making, Franklin said that Aller's decision-making on the field and his completion percentage are both really good. They've been very good through camp. Uh, he said it's tough to have an idea of how good he really is at this point. When asked you know, how his camp has been, he said Drew's had a good camp, uh, given all of us uh, a bunch of confidence coming into this. So uh, another added wrinkle is that Mike Yursich is going to be calling plays from the booth it sounds like for West Virginia and beyond this season. We'll see if any changes happen there. When you hear that evaluation of Aller and the quarterbacks as a whole, what comes to mind? I mean, playing poker, right? If before the first game of the season, want to make sure that everything is close to the vest and you're not giving out too much information for the other team to prep. Not that West Virginia is the, the biggest threat to Penn State's future right now, but obviously they are because it's the first game of the season, one and no mentality. But, I mean, I think it's a, it's a level of talent management when you're thinking about, like, just to be completely honest, when the NIL era transfer portal, there's a level of, if there's some talent there, you have to give them their due credit in the media and when things are coming, even if you have number one quarterback like Drew Aller coming in, but making sure that the other guys get their praises um, sung as well so that they feel a little good or even have a fighting chance, even if that doesn't really exist. So I think that's what I think we get from those um, initial evaluations from the quarterback standpoint. The big takeaways that I've heard from multiple outlets about how Drew Aller is done in camp, and it, and it comes back to the things that you just don't know until he gets into a live game. You can try and simulate these things in practice as much as you want, but the things that he needs to work on are throwing under pressure, playing under pressure altogether, which every quarterback has to deal with. Um, there's a statistic out there from last season that he had a 
nearly 30% drop-off in completion percentage from when he was not pressured to when he was pressured. So that is something you have to think about, but it's a small sample size. So it's, again, it's not freaking out about these things. We've talked about that a lot with Aller is that let's avoid being bipolar with this being really up or really down on what he's done. Uh, And then also his touchdown to interception ratio, it sounds like through the spring into summer camp have all been very good. So it's just a matter of once you get in a game, how are you going to handle pressure? How are you going to handle decision-making on the fly? Uh, you know what it's like to make life difficult for quarterbacks. Uh, seeing it in practice is one thing. What, what do you expect from him if he is indeed named? And my, my thought is Franklin will probably come out and say he's the, quote, week one starter, not the season starter, week one. What do you expect? Or if I'm playing against a, a, a new starting quarterback, yeah. I mean, you want to show simulating different those Simulating that pressure, simulating that pressure in practice, and then also trying to get, you know, hour to make quick decisions in practice where you know you're not going to get hit. There's just some different elements there. Well, I mean, I like it's like when the, the bullets are flying, it's a completely different situation, right? You talk about the red light special in the NFL where guys are practicing one way versus when the light comes on, how guys perform. And it's one thing when you know you can't get hit in practice and when those things come. And we talked about a little bit when Daryl was on the podcast about snap counts for quarterbacks and being able to use all those different things, whether it's the presence in the pocket, moving around, going through your reason, your progressions, and being able to have a little bit of moxie to take those hits and stand in there and make those throws. Those are all things that come from having a level of snap count and a level, some experience. And it's really hard. And James is right from the standpoint, it's hard to evaluate that until you see it with the live action happening. So I think that's the one thing that we'll get to get a chance to see this Saturday, just the level of confidence, pocket presence, and um, how he takes a level of pressure coming at him on Saturday. Cause I'm sure with the first game uh, of the season, things aren't going to be completely buttoned up and there may be some hits that he takes or, the offensive line still coming together and working together. And it's his first game coming in where he's going to be taking the reins from the very first snap. So I'm a big thing or a big proponent of just guys having a lot of snap counts and seeing that progression and organic development of the quarterback. But um, you really can't tell until those bullets really start flying. And Franklin said as much in his Tuesday press conferences that, you know, they, they, this is not the NFL. There's not the gift of the preseason to be able to work things out and be, you know, ironclad on who all your starters are. He said that, you know, across the board, they pretty much know who their starters are, but there's still some decisions to be made before West Virginia. And I imagine as September and maybe October uh, play out in regard to the offense altogether, uh, Franklin talked about the offensive line and the way that they've done. Uh, during camp has been very, very encouraging. Uh, a couple people that he pointed out were uh, Drew Shelton and J.B. Nelson, just the way that Drew Shelton has shown the ability to play left tackle, right tackle. He called it dramatic improvements, which you don't hear that from James Franklin very often. He doesn't throw out those flowers casually. We've heard similar descriptions for Caden Wallace, who we know is battling at right tackle, and uh, we expect to have locked up that position. Uh, Vega Yuani uh, is somebody that they – quote, want to factor in as well. And then what was interesting to me, Justin, is that Franklin went on to say that there's a bunch of true freshmen who can maybe be what Shelton was last year at some point during the season, and then saying that J.B. Nelson creates some position flexibility for them, potentially in the interior of the offensive line. When you hear him talking about like, hey, we might be able to cycle in true freshmen along the offensive line, it's like, oh, man. And that are 
able to be placed in the rotation or even add a little level of depth and confidence in the coaching staff to, of depth. That's, that's talent. That's pure talent acquisition. Cause a lot of these guys have been there for what, six months, six, seven months max. I mean, the guys that are mid year enrollees, and then you got the guys that are coming in the summer, but for offensive linemen, young offensive linemen to make that jump and be ready to play at the beginning of the year. That's sign that that signs of a consistent, strong recruiting, recruiting up front. So shout out to the kennel and all those guys back there. But um, I think that's a, also a, a makeup of a championship type of program or like a playoff type of program where you have young guys that are able to step in from an offensive and defensive line standpoint because we always talk about winning up front in the trenches and have to make sure that thing is taken care of. Um, so having that is a, is a, I mean, it's a benefit, but it's also a prerequisite to go long in this season. Given all of that information, we know what Nick Singleton and Katron Allen and, and throw Trey Potts into that mix, what they're going to be capable of from the rushing attack. And we're still excited to see what the wide receiver position really turns into. Um, last season, this was a West Virginia defense that gave up roughly 33 points per game. Uh, I believe either dead last or one of the worst in the Big 12 and is not a conference that really is known for its defense as you and I both know you have said in the past on this show and I thought it was very astute is that if Drew Aller is indeed the starter I, I think no matter who's the starter for Penn State at quarterback is that if it were you you would stack the box and say I dare you to throw let's see what you can do because it's an unproven passing game at this point despite what Aller could be this is a secondary that is loaded with transfers some not terribly experienced and they have a couple studs here and there. Sean Martin along the defensive line. Uh, Lee Koba at linebacker is outstanding. But outside of that, it's a little shallow for this defense. And on top of that, it's a defense that likes to play um, cover four, a lot of zone types of defense. And it was something that James Franklin articulated as, quote, access defense. He said Penn State does not play access defense, meaning we'll give you short hitch routes. We'll give you yards and chunks here and there. Penn State's not about that. It's locked down you. That seems what this West Virginia defense is. Can you further explain what Franklin is referring to in terms of access defense? Well, I mean, they'll give you some throws, right? Like they're they're challenging you to make the long drives and keep it together where you're talking about an efficient offense. We used to watch the old Patriots teams where it's like, oh, give Tom Brady 12 plays. He's going to complete that. That's what made him great. And that's where a lot of younger quarterbacks, younger offenses – it's hard to put a drive to a, a drive together. So from a defensive standpoint, we're not giving up the big plays. No, nothing, nothing over our heads. So we'll make, give up some shorter passes or even um, let the let the chains go a little bit. Not not necessarily on purpose, but like we're going to protect the big plays and make an offense put together a great drive. I think that becomes very interesting when we have the long boys, right? When you have running backs that you can lean on, a tight end group that uh, we have and those type of things, those are kind of nullifiers or equalizers for a younger quarterback that's coming in. And you lean on those guys and look for those one plays. That's when you hear me say like one touch guys are so important because the dynamic and how people play defense when you score a big play or able to break break a big run is completely different than having to put a continuous drive together. So that's the chess match within between the offensive coordinator of Penn State and the defense coordinator of West Virginia and making sure that you have those explosive plays to get them to play a little bit different because 
that's how I would play when you say, like you say, make make sure that they pass the ball, right? Or make sure that they're not running the football and just stack up the box because they do have pro- two proven guys back there in, in um, Nick Singleton and Katron Allen. So with that, I would be trying to force myself to stop that. And on the outside, like just don't get beat deep if I'm playing West Virginia. And on Penn State side, hey, we got to make explosive plays and be able to put drives together with the help of our experienced running backs and you know tight ends and things of that nature going down the field it feels like there should be a lot of mismatches for penn state in the passing game and i mentioned there's a lot of transfers within the secondary some of them have only been on campus for a few months like coming in after spring uh, practices so it's, it's not a whole lot of time to acclimate and we've talked about it that you know dante cephas is a guy that is being relied upon for penn state as a comparison He's still going through some things that he theoretically would have gone through maybe in winter workouts and spring practice and only got on campus, I believe it was in May or June, somewhere in there. So that's what a lot of these guys are dealing with. And you're being thrown into the fire on the road, night game, opening the season at one of the top 10 teams in the country. Uh, It could be really challenging for this secondary to deal with what Penn State has in great speed and Keandre Lambert-Smith, Dante Cephas, and then plus... You always talk about the aces, the tight ends, just physical mismatches, it seems. Well, I mean, it seems like as a football as a football player just coming in, like I said, when you don't have anything to lose, it's kind of fun to play that way. As long as they have the right makeup of guys, you talk about guys coming in and transferring, maybe they don't have the same culture or attitude that the guys that were playing on West Virginia seen before. Now this is their chance to step out and play. And if you look at, like you said, football is a game of matchups. So if I'm a secondary and I'm coming in, I'm looking at the other team that's playing, like I'm not seeing – the, the, the great running backs. I'm looking at the receiver group. Like, what have these guys done? And if they haven't done anything, like I'm playing with a lot of confidence. So like, that's something that Penn state has to like battle with. And these receivers that are coming out, recognize that they have to earn their respect when they come out. I mean, if I'm watching film from last year, I mean, Keandre Lambert is probably the one that is the only one that was a little bit of fear in my heart of like, okay, somebody that can make a big play or separate from the defenders, because there's just a level of, of psyche that goes into it playing defensive back of, Guys that have not proven to be big play guys. I mean, besides Keandre. And then we talk about playing and filling holes and making sure that you're sound in the run game. I think that becomes extremely important um, with the running backs because, like, if I'm on offense, I'm trying to put these secondary guys in a position to tackle, like tackle these running backs, right? Because if you have access defense, typically you're putting a lot of guys in the box to make sure that those running lanes are sealed up and things of that nature. So, I mean, I think there's a nice – I say challenge, but I'm excited for the first game to see how all the things play out with the different question marks that we have on the field, especially on the offensive side. Especially on the offensive side. To me, Justin, it just feels like this is not a great matchup for West Virginia, their defense versus Penn State's offense, because you talk about stacking the box. It's not necessarily what their bread and butter has been historically, especially last season. This is a team that likes to drop six, seven, sometimes eight guys in coverage. And if you got a freshman quarterback who's only got three guys coming at him and a really good offensive line, that that could be easy to throw the ball. But now, easy, who knows? We, we still have no idea what we're going to get at quarterback until it's actually out there. We have a hunch, but we, we don't really know. My gut comes back to something that you've said is line up and run the ball and make them stop you. And it's kind of the way Michigan plays, the way Jim Harbaugh's mentality is about the Wolverines rushing attack. I personally want to see that. The other layer to this, and you know about this having been on James Franklin's staff, 
is Mike Yersich is now moving from the sideline to the booth to be the offensive coordinator. And it sounds like this is a very positive move, and ultimately it's it's trust within the coaching staff for the guys that are on the sideline. Yersich obviously is going to have his crew up in the box. Does that change indicate anything to you as having been a player and having been a part of the staff of like, oh, maybe they see this or maybe they're trying to do this? Not too much. I mean, I think there was different coaches. I think Joe Mo was in the in the booth. I mean, you just see sometimes the offensive coordinator maybe have it gets a chance to show some charisma from play calling and from a different perspective on the field. But I think I would love to see just the offense or just the team take over the mentality. I think when we had Johnny Dixon on, it's like when you're better than someone, just play them straight up. So not trying to be too cute about what's going on. Like, man, punch them in the mouth and see how they respond. Okay, they're not responding. Keep punching them in the mouth. And like if they respond different, like just taking the fight to them and not trying to be, I mean, I guess outsmarting from a standpoint when you think of offensive coordinators going up to the booth or drawing up different plays. I think they stick to what they do and do it well. I think the Penn State should be okay. Penn State fans, Smack Apparel has the best gear for talking smack on game day. Head to smackapparel.com today and be ready for week one with the Save a Couch Beat WVU shirt. Also, check out their Let There Be White tee for the whiteout game against Iowa at Beaver Stadium. There's also the Drink Up Roar On tee, as well as the Saturday's We Are design. If you're watching this on YouTube, scan the QR code on the screen to take you to the website instantly on your phone. Visit Smack Apparel and use our promo code STATE10 at checkout for 10% off your order. That's S-T-A-T-E-1-0. Again, that's smackapparel.com, promo code STATE10 at checkout. Why wear boring when you can wear smack? Are you looking for undeniably good hair and beard care? Then Maestro's Classic is perfect for you. Maestro's has beard washes, beard oils, beard butters, plus hair gels, pomades, and now body washes. It's one brand for every man. Visit maestrosclassic.com, that's M-A-E-S-T-R-O-S classic.com, and use our promo code STATE20, that's S-T-A-T-E-2-0, at checkout for 20% off your order. Maestro's Classic, crafting a better you. You touched on Johnny Dixon. Let's flip to the defense. For Penn State, this also feels like a pretty good matchup for them against West Virginia's offense. This is uh, basically going to be an RPO, run-pass option style of offense. Neil Brown, the head coach, uh, he has taken over play-calling duties. Former offensive coordinator Graham Harrell, many remember star quarterback for Texas Tech, at one point in time, no longer with the program, no longer calling the plays or as the offensive coordinator. Neil Brown has been in a role like that for many years at many different schools. In fact, it goes all the way back uh, to his time at Troy, 2006 to 07, then, um, I'm sorry, 08 to 09, first as offensive coordinator and quarterbacks coach. Then he went to the aforementioned Texas Tech, did it for two years. Kentucky did that for two seasons, it looks like, and then back to Troy, and now he's been at West Virginia since 2019 so this is not unfamiliar for neil brown to be calling the plays but it's different when it's the head coach the anticipated starter at quarterback that james franklin said on tuesday is going to be junior quarterback garrett green who got some limited opportunities last year uh, once jt daniels got injured and the back end of the season was actually quite good for west virginia surprise wins against oklahoma and at oklahoma state to round out the season so some positivity going into 2023 
the thing about this team, and I found this fantastic stat from another podcast from within the Believe Podcast Network. Shout out to the In the Gun podcast. Uh, last year, West Virginia's offense had the third fewest blown blocking assignments in all of Power 5 on run plays. They were also the most penalized team in the Big 12 last year. What does that say to you? Uh, the most penalized team? I mean, so you're telling me that it's not a, a mental discrepancy. So, I mean, it's just probably a, a talent discrepancy. I mean, a lot of holes and things of that nature means that you can't stand up. You don't have guys that are keeping uh, players within their frame and undisciplined, but it's not from a mental standpoint. It's a physical standpoint. And so, I mean, that's when it comes into the recruiting, which you mentioned earlier, a lot of transfers coming in on the second, on the defensive side. But uh, that's what that stat would read to me if I was looking or evaluating a coaching staff of like, oh, well, I have a lot of penalties, but we're doing the right thing. So something is uh, um, coming uh, loose there. But even from your standpoint of saying in Neil Brown's play call in history, I think that's important in just those those stops, whether it was at Kentucky, I mean, when he had like Lee Walton and those guys, or even from Texas Tech, those prolific offenses. I think that's something that is going to be a nice um, – I can't say challenge, but a nice thing for the lockdown you in the secondary to see in that opening game because, I mean, to get to get a chance to make some plays on the ball, especially when me and I throw an offense like a West Virginia or Neil Brown and Graham Hill is an OC. I mean, you just know just the, from a personality standpoint what they're going to be wanting to do. The the expectation uh, from different media outlets in West Virginia is that it it's probably not going to be the same West Virginia offense that many got used to under Geno Smith, Will Greer, and even recently as JT Daniels, is that this might be more of a run-heavy team. Uh, center Zach Frazier is absolutely outstanding, and they're strong uh, from the inside out at offensive line. And then they're returning four of their five top return, uh, top rushers from last season. Uh, running back C.J. Donaldson is 6'1", 238 pounds, a former tight end turned running back. Uh, he was the second leading rusher on the team last season and is expected to be the bell cow. They have two other backs that they can cycle in effortlessly. And also the aforementioned Garrett Green, if he is indeed the starter, contributed heavily in the rushing attack. So my question to you, that was something that was a little bit of a question last season with Penn State was the ability to stop the run. How do you feel about that, considering this is more of an RPO team as opposed to what, what Michigan is, is line up under center, hand the ball off, power football? I think the RPO plays into Penn State's hands, right, when we talk about length and speed and those different type of things and just how they play defense. I, I think that's a benefit, right? But even when we talk about when he was calling for Kentucky or those guys and the, the way that their offense was set up, they did run the ball a lot, and those – balanced offenses in college are I don't say difficult to play against but they make you play sound sound defense right making sure that there's no splits or guys can't make creases because if you have a running back that's 61238 that's a load to continue to tackle like throughout the whole game we heard Tony Hunt just that mentality so I'm always interested in hearing just the offensive philosophies or just the offensive identity on how people attack it but with that being said I don't think Penn State should be too concerned with that I mean they have some pretty prolific um linebackers abdul you have uh curtis jacobs and guys that are i mean kobe king might step in there and make some different plays even from the up, up front with the defensive tackles even those got some transfers coming in i feel like that rpo attack from the running standpoint is a good matchup for penn state's defense just based um, on pure personnel 
Speaking of linebackers, uh, James Franklin on Tuesday in his press conference did reveal four freshmen that are, quote, greenlit in regards to uh, what Franklin means by that is four players that they expect to burn their red shirt. And those four players were all defensive. One of them, and you touched on linebacker, linebacker Tony Rojas, who's a guy who can play all over the place. Uh, King Mack, defensive back, somebody you and I have sung the praises of and has shown a lot of good flashes in camp. And then it's uh, corner Zion Tracy and Elliott Washington, which is just going to give them, I think, some depth at cornerback. And then it sounds like a lot of these guys are going to play significant time on special teams. But to hear that, you know, four guys that are really going to get in there and contribute, what it says to me, Justin, is that you're going to see a revolving door of people on the field defensively in a lot of different sets. And I do not feel good for a young quarterback, you know, being under center against Penn State's defense when every single time you go out there, I have to ID that guy. What number is this guy? Where's the defensive center? What's that? Like, it, it, it must be mind boggling. I mean, that's one of the keys of having position flexibility on defense, right? Or having guys that can play multiple positions that, that kind of look the same, right? Just kind of long, lengthy uh, speed guys on defense. When you talk about like a Tony Rojas, I mean, interesting to see him play this offseason. I mean, just from him, I remember thinking he gained like 25 pounds from when he got there in January to spring ball and just the way that he runs around. I think he has a, he'll have a nice future here at Penn State. And we talked about the DBs with Elliott, uh, Zion Tracy, and even, um, King Mac, I, I, that's again when we talk about recruiting and the like the depth at those positions. Like these aren't positions that that are lacking, right? Like these are like freshmen that can play amongst the elite groups on the team. So with that being said, yeah, I wouldn't want to play against those guys either from West Virginia coming in, but it just shows the depth that they have and the talent that they have on defense. Uh, getting back to the ability of West Virginia to run the football, because I do expect them to have some success in that department. The one position really for Penn State's defense where it's a question mark is, hey, what is defensive tackle going to be this year? What is their uh, ability going to be, especially in stopping the run? We've talked about the departure of P.J. Must first of the National Football League. Uh, James Franklin was asked about the defensive tackle rotation, and he mentioned uh, Durant, Elise, Artis, Beeman, Vandenberg, and Izzard as guys that are going to be able to jump in there and really contribute. Uh, he actually uh, singled out Jordan Vandenberg as, quote, uh, might be one of our most improved players on the entire roster, which is fantastic. And then he also went on to say that Durant and Beeman are significantly bigger than last year, and they've put on the you know proverbial good weight. Zane Durant is listed at 280 pounds now, and Akeem Beeman is listed at 284 now, you had a guy like P.J. Mustafer at about 310, depending on the day, uh, <laughs> clogging right. up the middle. But those two, potentially, as your starting defensive tackles, having bulked up in that department, it's like, man, I'm really excited to see what this test is about because the test of what West Virginia can do, multiplicity, it feels like, in the rushing attack. How much of the load do you think goes on the defensive tackles? Do you think we're going to learn a lot about them in week one? Well, I mean – a little bit, right? You say an RPO versus a power offense. If it was like a power offense, I would say like, okay, we'll, we'll know exactly what's going on. But a lot of the things that come into play when you're talking about RPO is just more based on discipline and guys moving from side to side, playing with speed and agility, sideline to sideline, right? And then the guys filling holes and lanes the way that they're supposed to. Also covering the pass that goes along with that because it's just, it creates that, you know, indecision on defense. That's what the whole point of the RPO is. But to, 
defend the RPO, you have to attack the RPO, right? Like don't give them a chance to hang back and do what they want to do, reading different stuff. No, you attack. So that's what I think you will see with this group of even alignment. I know one to just remember from them, a lot of guys getting recruited, they were attack first, more speed, twitchy type of guys versus, you know what I mean? They're big, stout PJ Mustafers that we had, or even just seeing the problems that we had against Michigan with that power straight at you type of offense. I think anytime we're going side to side with speed and athleticism, I think Penn State is built for that. You to mentioned that yeah, anyway. Absolutely. You mentioned uh, guys that Penn State is familiar with in terms of Penn State had recruited them or at least attempted to recruit them. There's a couple that stand out. First of all, there's a variety of players on this offensive line that Penn State had attempted to recruit at one point. So you can show them a lot of respect, and I believe West Virginia is returning their entire entire starting five offensive linemen uh, this season. On top of that, two standout players for West Virginia uh, were people that Penn State has targeted at one point in time. Defensive lineman Sean Martin, who's arguably their best defensive player, Penn State recruited heavily went to West Virginia. And then a curious one, and you might know more about this than I, is that wide receiver Devin Carter, who had announced on Twitter uh, months and months ago that he was transferring to Penn State and then virtually overnight was not transferring to Penn State, uh, was previously at North Carolina State, winds up at West Virginia and is potentially expected to be their number one wide, wide receiver. Uh, knowing what you know about Martin and Carter, what do you expect from those two for the Mountaineers? I mean, you, you, you see how they fit into the program, right? I mean, at that point, it's tough to tell when like it's a kind of a lopsided thing. So I don't know if two players make that much of a difference. But I mean, I expect them to play and play with some confidence. I mean, I actually don't have an opinion just on those two players, but it should be interesting to see. I just think the matchups that they're going against, whether it's the receiver against those DBs and um, the other guy, I just – Sean Martin, I don't – we'll see. We'll see. I think – I just don't know if they make too much of an impact on the game alone. No, I, I agree with you, and I'm, I'm curious to see how Martin uh, and company deal with Penn State's offensive line because if Caden Wallace has taken the leap that uh, James Franklin and company say he has, then you've got bookend tackles. I mean, it's just crazy to think what the potential is of this offensive line. And there's there's been some speculation of our friend of the show, Landon Tangwall, maybe being a little bit banged up this offseason. So we genuinely don't know when that's how James Franklin operates. This keeps that information close to the vest. So I'm interested to see what five are trotted out there against West Virginia. And I'm excited to see what the West Virginia – I'm sorry, I'm excited to see what the rotation potentially could be at offensive line. Uh, for, for me, Justin, I look at this game – West Virginia, if I'm them, I'm running the football. I'm continuing to try and press this offensive, this uh, defensive front for Penn State and really test them. But the word that comes to mind is just overall mismatch. I think Penn State athletically overmatches West Virginia. And there's just some elements about this that I just don't like the matchup for West Virginia from uh, offensive to defensive standpoint. And then for Penn State, you know, even if there is a situation where West Virginia decides to just drop into coverage, could Drew Aller just have a field day? I don't know. But my sincere hope is that you come out with a steady diet of the lawn boys in the first half. And who knows that this is something Penn State could be running away with it by the third quarter. I, I just don't know. But what does your gut tell you about this? I think it's going to be a little bit of a runaway, right? I think obviously when you say the third quarter, that's, that's hopeful. Um, but was, I'm really interested to see the offense. And I hope they just, like you said, it's more about the identity in which they come out with. We're making the decision. Oh, we're going to run the ball down their throats. Okay, we're going to highlight Drew 
in some play action situations after we loosen up the um the front seven with the running back and the lawn boys and like some quick easy passes for the, the aces. I would love to see just a round a well-rounded attack from the offense, right? With an uh, with an identity built in uh, toughness and big plays at the, at the end of the day, because those are the things that I feel you need or that I always saw from a defensive standpoint that were hard to defend. And um, yeah, with the with the talent on the defensive side, I think we just see that that step up that we've seen from the past couple of years. We're just like that elite defense and just all the way through, we're stopping the run and making plays on the back end. And I think, like you said, it's going to be a pretty lopsided type of game. The one thing that I think is so encouraging is the talk about how good Penn State's defense has been through camp. And you and I have discussed it is that there's people thinking this could be one of the top five, top four, top three, top two defenses in America. Who knows? We got to see how it plays out. But the fact that in camp, uh, James Franklin has said uh, overall, it's made every completion by the quarterbacks extremely difficult, that it's always been a contested catch. Is this just something where you open up the arsenal against West Virginia from a passing standpoint? I don't know, and I, I don't need to see that, Just I don't expect to see that. I hope to just see Drew Auer play within the offense, two-to-one touchdown-to-interception ratio, or no turnovers would just be fabulous in my opinion. <laughs> but I don't need to see him throw for 400 yards and five touchdowns. You know what I mean? 100%. I would love to see a 15 for 25, 275 yards, three touchdowns, and you know, and the guys are running the ball. Both running backs get the ball about 18 times and see about 150 yards apiece. Like that's, what, that's ideal for me, and that's like an identity that I think can be repeatable throughout the Big Ten season because what you don't want to do is lean on to any one lever too much throughout the time. I mean, especially when you're talking about talent. And I just would love to see what the receivers are going to look like this first week out in just terms of, I mean, across the board. I mean, we talk about Keandre, talk about Dante Cephas. Let's see what Wallace does and all these other guys that are um, in the wings. So that's what I'm excited to see, to completely honest, because there's some question marks on the perimeter of the offense. So seeing guys step up. I'm I'm excited to get there. You and I are both going to be in State College. We're both going to be going to the game, and then we're going to be recording the podcast immediately after. So some uh, general housekeeping information. We're still going to do our best to get you guys the reaction episode as quickly as possible after the game has ended. And then we will be doing our conventional Wednesday episodes where it's a preview of the game. Uh, thank you all so much for your response to the interviews with Journey Brown, Derek Williams, uh, Daryl Clark, Tony Hunt, the list goes on and on. We've had so many great guests during the offseason. We're going to continue to do that because um, we love the stories that we've been able to tell and the stories we've been able to hear, especially from a lot of these players, been phenomenal. So uh, any other players that you guys are really interested in hearing from, uh, we can look into that stuff. So like, comment, subscribe, rate us. Let us know how you guys feel about this matchup. We're all excited. And uh, again, make sure you go out and get a state IPA so you can tailgate literally from like you could tailgate for 12 hours for this one if you wanted to justin i don't know Absolutely. how you're tailgating gamers but no, i might give i might give them 90 minutes give them 90 <laughs> minutes to <tailgate. laughs> uh appreciate you guys joining us uh enjoy the game penn state versus west virginia this saturday night
Thank you all so much for joining us. This episode and our entire library of shows is available now on YouTube, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, TuneIn, and wherever else you get your podcasts. And of course, let us know what you think of the show on Twitter, at TheKing1 and at Tom Hannafin. State of State is presented by Bet Online. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.